0: You don't own me Don't try to change me in any way You don't own me Don't tie me down cause I'd never stay
1: I It's time for the Daily review a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And today we're here to discuss the 11th episode of the second season of Hulu's Handmaid's Tale. This one is called Holly.
0: This one's a pretty easy title name. We knew that Holly was the name of her mom and we had a pretty good idea that this was going to be a girl baby that just sort of matched the theme of like who is the most vulnerable in this story. And so it was really easy to put together that she was probably going to name the baby Holly. And we were right. We were right. This episode was not really conducive to splitting off by a character. So we are actually going to go chronologically. We're going to shoot hard for not making this a recap, making it a true review let's jump right in paul all right did you expect that she would still be hanging around the house right when we started did you expect any type of time jump or anything or did you think we would be meeting her right exactly where we left her
1: time jump would have been a total cheat it would have been like uh what what i mean how, how'd she get out of there and i mean all had to happen on camera there was sort of a sad inevitability to a lot of what happened in this episode because
0: it's interesting it, the way that you said a sad inevitability because they actually address that directly to the audience when they have that voiceover that's like i'm sorry there's so much pain in this story i try to put some good things in as well i mean that that two or three lines like encapsulates this entire episode like it was sad and futile she tried to inject some flashbacks hmm. to try to give you a little bit of something. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a sad story.
1: Right. So, yeah, that's right. The story that she would have been writing to pass on to Hannah, or not Hannah, to Holly, probably didn't include those Hannah flashbacks. But since she, in essence, was telling us her story, they did occur, you know, they in context to kind of lighten things up to a time when you could give birth without, you know, it being a complete disaster. <laughs>
0: right so i was pleased to see that she did what we asked her to do in the last episode was like please please rifle through this house and find supplies it was pretty well stocked didn't you think
1: yeah well i mean if you listen to our last podcast i thought this was somebody's summer house as she's rifling we find out whose house it is and we may have even seen their their other house in another episode it's Hannah's picture that that she finds.
0: So it turns out that it's the Mackenzie's house. So it's Commander Mackenzie and wife Mackenzie, Mrs. Mackenzie. And we assume Hannah now. Agnes Mackenzie, if you will. Did you think it was effective the way that they use the flashbacks? Like, for instance, having her just having had Hannah being pulled away from her and then having this flashback to what appeared to be probably like pre-K or something. And Mrs. Tanaka was there in not a noticeable bluish green sweater and Hannah was wearing that pink coat and they were having that same like yanking away from her. You
1: know, this is probably not going to be a popular opinion, but I feel like the flashbacks really took me out of what. This episode was, a, was trying to show me. I don't know, man. I guess I missed the point, but I wanted to keep watching what was going on with her. It felt like they needed to, like they only had 20 minutes of story. And so they needed to come up with this other stuff about pregnancy, delivery, mother, will she be there? Will, won't she be there? That kind of stuff. So every time it happened, I, I found myself wanting to get back to what was actually happening in the story with June right now.
0: I think that's a good point, and and it, you're right because it sort of had a very like twenty four esque type feel where it was like there was a suspense and a and a like a hurry before someone shows up, and so then every time we did dip into a flashback, like Mrs Tanaka being like, "Come on, Hannah, let's go." I was like, "I don't want to see Mrs Tanaka. Right. I want to see what's going on right now." And like, I think that there could have been other things she could have found in the house. That could have been of interest to us that didn't even have to necessarily like propel the plot forward or anything, but just, I don't know, other little nuggets. Like I appreciated that on the office wall, there was the, the maps of the United States and appearing to have different levels of shading. Like some areas were red and then in another one, there'd be like more areas were red. I assume red equals Gilead.
1: I would love to see what those maps are labeled to see like, are they talking about, you know, I don't know farm area or impacted areas that are considered colonies or or what are those maps representing? Are they supposed to be like a progression of Gilead across the continent? Because that didn't seem right because they were all different configurations that didn't right. seem to move very evenly from east to west.
0: So maybe it was different like strategies, like if we do it this way, then this is what maybe. can happen. Right. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Almost like battle plans.
1: Right. Kind of like a civil war kind of thing. But yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. But 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 that is very much how Gilead comes off, right? Much yeah. more like civil war. Yeah. I like the small details in in this beginning part. Like, um, you know, she's looking for the keys in the desk. And I thought she did a great job to figure out that they would probably be in the office desk because to be honest with you, in our own home, that is not where we would find keys. But if you put yourself into the mindset of a commander, of course the stuff would be in his office desk. You know, there'd be no right. reason for it to be in the hall foyer. Area Like all of us keep our stuff because that would imply anyone else had permission to use keys, which (laughs) they
1: do not. They
0: do not. I also appreciate it. Even at one point when there was like a, um, they did a camera angle that was through what you could probably consider maybe like, I don't know, a gate or something. And it actually had the shape of an eye. And the camera was shot, like, through it. It was real it's interesting. One of her
1: trips to or from the garage, right? Yeah. It made me wonder if someone was seeing that, because it was, like, such a weird shot, you know? Mm-hmm. No, nobody saw it.
0: No, unfortunately. And I know a lot of people thought that that gun shooting scene was was at a different house and all this, but but this episode finally put to rest. Like, no, she never managed to get away from this house. You know, this is where she was shooting the gun and everything. So how surprised were you that she actually found a work? car
1: pretty surprised because this is winter that kind of car looks like the sort of thing that they let a commander keep but i don't know that they tolerate you driving it around you know what i mean
0: i fully expected it to like sputter you know but not actually start because plenty of cars have a rough time starting up you know that haven't been sitting under a dusty cloth for who knows how long
1: yeah you gotta keep cars running every couple of weeks or the battery dies. And this has been sitting for a long time.
0: (laughs) I mean, uh, ostensibly years, right? I mean, it it could be. We don't really know. But I mean, that's how long Gilead's been going on. And in theory, he probably can't be driving that sports car around, you know?
1: Yeah, it might just be like his weekend thing that he fixes up and keeps running. But
0: you know, when the car radio started up, I swear to God, that was Oprah's voice.
1: That's interesting. You know, it could be because this is the sort of show that she might you know, come out of retirement to to pitch in, you know, FM and AM radio, they don't go that
0: far. I know, which is what gave me a lot of hope. Really. I was thinking, you know what, if, if she could actually zero in on a station that was clear enough to actually be able to hear it so well and have them be like, we're still out here. Stars and tribes forever, baby. All that stuff. I was like, that can't be that far. You know, like no. that would give me a lot of push to keep trying to get out of there. I appreciated that they had her go gather supplies. That was all good. And another like kind of like stuttery moment where I felt like it was like, oh, you're kind of taking us out of what's happening here. And for kind of no reason, I didn't feel like when she was going to look for clothes and she sees herself in the mirror. And it made me realize like she maybe had not seen herself in a full length mirror throughout this pregnancy. Okay. So to actually see her body was like, it was kind of like, wow, you know. My stomach's actually getting bigger and everything. But I agree with you about the idea of going over to Luke and and her with her, you know, big belly and everything. I'm sure the theme for me across the board here was in her first pregnancy, she was well supported. She w- had lots of people helping, lots of people wanting to be there for her. And in this pregnancy, she's all alone from every portion of it, you know?
1: And in the dark for for the important parts and everything about the birthing and the birthing delivery and stuff that was all very lit up. and, and, And you're like you said, surrounded by people, happy.
0: But like this scene where she was wearing like a backless, super short black dress. I know that they're trying to say that she's like a city modern woman, but I, honest to God, have never even seen a dress like that, much less seen a pregnant woman wear it. I mean, it's very rare even on the red carpet to get that level of backless, short, everything that was going on for for a maternity outfit, you know? So I feel like they they were kind of pushing it to the point of it being like, I mean, I recognize that it was supposed to be the... The full antithesis to a long velvet, you know, robe-like thing. But, I mean, high heels, everything. I don't know. To me, it was just – it was overboard for me.
1: I've seen a few pregnant women and they tend not to skew toward the LBD uh, rack.
0: There's no L when you're (laughs) pregnant, Paul. Like, there's no L. And even when you see, like, really sexy starlets – You know, yes, they'll wear something that's very body con, if you will, like very, very uh, like tight and and body forming. Think of like um, Kim Kardashian or something, but it's very rare to show all the way up, like three quarters of the way up your thighs and your whole bare back like that's pretty rare you know so i thought that like you said moments like that were just sort of like okay like i mean i get it you're really trying to show us that this is very 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 different how freaking freaked out were you when you heard the car pull up
1: if you had listened last week you'd remember that i thought perhaps this was a setup now of course this was not a setup after seeing this episode but i was kind of surprised that both of them got out of the car actually
0: i was too and i was really surprised at the way that the waterfords spoke to one another. I mean, there was absolutely zero like keeping to that. You need to obey your husband business because even when he was pushing her around, she was pushing back with her words and everything. And so I don't even take that as like a Gilead moment. I take that as like two people in an extremely heated, you know, like the whole part where it was like.
1: Does it be strung up? Uh, next to each other and he goes goes, just my my
0: fucking luck you know that whole part oh my god no but but the part where he was she goes you're such a fucking idiot and he goes when did you become such a bitch and i was like wow we've never heard these two do more than like praise be under his eye (laughs) you know i mean even in those flashbacks yes yes i thought the worst thing that she said was be a man stuff like that but he never said anything so, this back and forth was like, whoa, you know?
1: I really wanted her to pull the trigger. I was really hoping. I was fine with the story going in the direction of her having killed the Waterfords.
0: That would have been so amazing. I mean, that sniper position that they put her in, you know, and and just watching. I I am actually... I mean, I know that it's like she only had like one chance basically, you know, because once she shot it, you know, I know that they would be so surprised and so taken off guard. And I know that it wouldn't have been like perfect, but it, it, you know, the way that those shotguns like, you know, um, scatter, scatter everywhere. I felt like it was like, okay, you could at least do some serious damage here. And then that would maybe stun them enough to you could get off another shot or two, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, so you'd do something. You would something would happen. The the pot would be stirred,
0: right? Right. (laughs) So I don't know. So what do you do? You take the shot. You you wanted her to take the shot.
1: I wanted her to take the shot. Yeah. I mean, they are irredeemable people.
0: It um, would have given her a car that was working, and was like not in the garage.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, all the choices that she made, like not really thinking about what she wanted to pack and needing to go back and all that kind of stuff all kind of added up to this shitstorm of needing to have to deliver in the living room.
0: Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to put it back on her in that quite in that way. I mean, I feel like she tried a lot of different things. I was actually pretty shocked that the car couldn't break down the garage door. So, I mean, after trying a bunch of times, I, I'm surprised you couldn't I, I mean, I've seen someone knock it off <laughs> the rails before. and just I mean, I know it's a little car, and i and they really showed that this was a well made fortress of a house, you know, so I get it that those doors were probably extra enforced, but damn, didn't you think if you just kept hitting it?
1: I thought she gave up on the release too quick. I mean, seems like there'd be something up there, a pin you could pull or a screw you could take out I or something, and it thought would so it'd be really heavy, but you i mean. You could try to get that door up.
0: I don't know what to say. I I mean, I I don't want to blame her because I do feel like she was trying and trying and trying. And I can't decide if it was like, did it give her more time to be able to do something else because she did let the Waterfords go? Because they weren't there that long. And she has not broken her moral compass in a way where she's hurt or killed anybody by her own hand on purpose. Right. I mean, like, I know that there's actions that she's taken and she's felt awful that somebody has gotten hurt because of something she's done. Mm -hmm. But we haven't seen her hold someone down, punch someone in the face, kick someone, do whatever, you know. And so then in that case, it's like, I don't know. Are they trying to maintain her integrity as like she didn't kill them when she had the chance? Is that stupid or is that like she's still trying to be a human?
1: That sounds pretty plausible. I mean, but I don't look down on Emily for the choices that she makes about not at all hurting Gilead people. So, not
0: at all. And she has killed people on purpose and has kicked people and hurt people on purpose, popped
1: dudes. I know brain like a watermelon
0: killed him. Exactly. So I don't know. I I find it interesting. I'm wondering what we're supposed to make of that. If she if she was just too scared and didn't have the the gumption to do it or if it was like, no, she was trying to retain some sense of like civility. Although in that case, they're your captors. I mean, there is no sense of like, I just don't want to kill people. I mean, they are your captors. Right. Exactly. it is fair square to kill them. Let's go back to the conversation that between Serena and Fred because there was a couple of little moments there that I thought, wow, they have just exposed everything. What do you think about the part where she straight up says, You raped her yesterday?
1: <laughs> that that was like I mean, that his response was the only one. It was it was your idea. Then the right response back was it was still your dick,
0: right? <laughs> I, I just I can't even believe that that's the she put that out there like that and that she acted like that was like a reasonable thing to say. Like, Oh my God, they're (laughs) so twisted. Don't get me
1: started on the rape you performed yesterday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's so nuts. I know that some people are going to say, you know, that they felt some amount of pity or, or whatever for Serena when she started with the, I have nothing. I have nothing. I loved how the camera shot over to June who truly has, nothing. Right. You know.
1: Well, and to an extent, Serena gave the farm away. She was party to it. She signed it over. You have nothing cuz you gave it away. June had it all taken away. Totally different, totally different kind of thing. Do
0: you think it was fair to say that his super infatuation with June was was actually the cause of like a lot of this problem? Was oh,
1: that fair? I mean, Yeah, I'd throw that in there. He's been trying to resist acting on his emotional attachment, attraction, whatever it is for this second season. And, you know, after hurting her, then he couldn't help himself but to try to do he did legit think he was doing a nice thing. Even though Serena points out unkindly that uh, no, that was never going to work. It was well, never. Going it
0: does to lead work. you to believe. What did he think was going to happen? I mean, she said it point blank. Did you think she was going to come back here and be like, "Thanks so much. That was so fun. An afternoon outing, seeing my kid. Like that was so awesome. Like, did you ever think that that was really going to turn out on the up and up?
1: He did not think it through. Or if he did. He came to a completely wrong conclusion.
0: So let's do the flashback that encapsulates Hannah's birth. Because we have this part when they go to a birthing center. A uh, tour guide, Holly, is giving them the, the ins and outs of a birthing center and how it would be so much better to be in this unmedicated, just like relaxed, casual, you know, anti-superbug, in <laughs> hospital place. It clearly exposes what you had mentioned had happened in the book, that Holly and June have a very precarious relationship.
1: You've seen other relationships maybe where someone says, yeah, I, I trust you to be you. You know, and by that they mean not measure up basically, you know, I, I, I trust you to not be here. So please don't tell me that you're going to be here. And it's, it's it's like, she's beyond holding it against her. Right. She's just more like, uh, What's the story with the scorpion and the frog or whatever? So she was just expecting her mom to be the scorpion.
0: I mean, it implied that over all these years, whatever cause pulled Holly away, and it it sounded like also she was a doctor who who did surgeries and everything. So it wasn't just like, frivolous things i mean it was like you know it wasn't just i felt like holly seemed to actually be giving more dimensions in this little retelling because it wasn't just that she was running off to any little pricket line or whatever protest that she could be a part of it really seemed like she also had Obviously, the birthing center whole sitch that she was very um, encouraging of. And she had her regular job as a doctor and she was she was in surgery and stuff. So it felt like, OK, she is a more three dimensional person, like a like a person, like a workaholic, somebody who's like married to that side of her life.
1: Wasn't she collected uh, for running an abortion clinic?
0: Yes. It's
1: hard to say. It doesn't matter. I was just trying to remember if that was a book detail or a show detail. But yes. That it amounts to the same thing, abortion clinic.
0: So the entire experience with Hannah, like we can sum it up amongst all of these flashbacks, is that she had tons of support. Moira and Luke were falling all over themselves, trying to be supportive. They each had made their own playlist for her. She was in this really brightly lit, well-appointed um, hospital with lots of support from everybody. And that was a huge. Was there really anything that else that came from those flashbacks? I mean, all the way until she actually had the baby, and mom did show up just at the very last second. But she did show up, and you know, basically everybody was there for her the whole time.
1: It kind of made me want to go back and watch those episode, those episodes from the first season when they show them like coming to the hospital, and then mm-hmm. like the empty nursery and all that kind of stuff to see how well they lined everything up because those those scenes would fit together you know like a yeah like a puzzle
0: yeah because they showed holly being there at the last moments of you know right like basically when Hannah was like handed to her and those kinds of things and holly was there but then you're right we saw the days after and holly wasn't a part of those days no so then i wonder if there's something more that they're going to show us or that we missed maybe there's a falling out of some sort that would explain why holly wouldn't be there for those other flashbacks of the days right after
1: yeah i'm not sure what to expect from this next episode
0: I did appreciate that the flashbacks gave us Holly's words of encouragement of you're stronger than you think that was basically what really pushed her through so much of this including that those two or three bizarre scenes with the wolf
1: what were you getting from that wolf
0: I was taking it very much like it was representative of like the people who were hunting her you know all of these people that were hunting her the whole society was hunting her it was all black. which was very Commander-esque. And, you know, it licking its lips at her was very much like just waiting for her to die out there in the snow so he could eat her up. It was very Red Riding Hood and the wolf as well, you know, very much constantly trolling her, if you will.
1: Didn't know this ahead of time, so I had to look it up. The wolf symbolizes a companion and a guardian. So it might have been that he was keeping her in the house. That was the safest place for her to be for this whole misadventure. What do you think about that?
0: I can go with that. I mean, I, you could think of it as Nick. I think the two parts that I would say maybe negate that would be letting out that giant howl was pretty scary and not very much feeling like... I mean, it echoed her sounds of giving birth. And then the other part, I would say when he licked his chops the way he did, I don't know, that didn't come off very, you're all good.
1: (laughs) Black wolf symbolizes... Loyalty, success, perseverance, stability, and thought. Oh,
0: okay. So that's pretty weird. I would never think of. But both things work.
1: Both things work as being like scared of the wolf and and just needing to avoid it, or it keeping you there because it's your guardian. Both. Both work.
0: I like that. I like that very much. So now the total opposite of the Hannah's birth is this entire home birth scene that we have in in the dark, by the fire, extremely primal. A lot of yelling, a lot of blood, a lot of everything.
1: In uh, mommy-to-be classes, do they ever teach you like one afternoon? They're like, okay, so you're alone, you're in the woods and you have to give birth, use gravity or whatever. I mean, is that all, is that all like in the girl handbook somewhere in the appendix or?
0: No, no. no. You
1: think it just occurs to you as you're doing it, like got to get this baby out. So I'm trying
0: everything. She's had a baby before. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot about that, that she has some idea of what to expect. And I mean, and yeah, I mean, I think when I say primal, I mean, I think that there's parts of it that are natural, you know, that like, maybe you don't know how to do certain things. Like, did anyone teach you how to throw up? Did anyone teach you, you know, like there's certain things about your body that it just happens. And when it happens and after it happens more than once, you, you kind of know what to expect, you know, what the sensation is going to be. And you know, like, in throw up case you want to go to a bathroom or you want to go to a sink or something right like you know what's going to happen yeah, but so. when i
1: throw up i don't have to like cut it off you know and separate it from my body and other things too it, it is more complicated i think
0: sure i was just trying to think of a body expression that you could have any experience with. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you don't There's the
1: basic ones.
0: I mean, do you want to talk about poop? I mean, you really only expel a couple things from your personal body.
1: This is the Shaisa podcast.
0: uh, Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I was just trying to say that it's like you don't throw up all the time. You don't, it's not something that it's like you know, you get good at or something, but it is something that when it happens, your body does some automatic things that, you know, you'd probably be really surprised at how much is is really just this natural, I don't know, your body just seems to know what to do. You know, like anything, you, you could kind of adjust yourself to something that would be slightly more comfortable. Not because you know it, but just because something about your body feels slightly more comfortable in this position than another.
1: I bet you're right. I mean, it's like, I know you've learned in school that when you get a cut, you need to put pressure on it to make help it stop bleeding, right?
0: Right. But But most most people that
1: get cuts, that's what they do. You naturally
0: cover, right? You naturally. It's not because they learned
1: that. Mm -hmm. It's because that's what you do.
0: It's like a protective (laughs) response, and I mean, I think that that's kind of a lot of the survival of the fittest kind of stuff. That it's like, you know, basically those who don't cover up the the cuts, those who don't make it through childbirth, well, they die. Yeah. so it's like the people who you know who managed to keep that that strand of uh, of natural thing to do the well they're the ones that actually reproduce so it continues happening that you is know? the
1: argument of Darwin
0: I was really sad about all that blood now I, I've i had three children um, we have twins and a, and a third little guy and I don't know that I had anything like that I mean I wasn't down on the second half of the, my body I had them all naturally so there's no c-sections but that seemed like a lot of blood to me and I was I wasn't sure even what was quite happening at that one scene. I I don't know if the baby was crowning. It was so dark. I turned up the brightness on our television to 100%. And still, it was very difficult to tell. Like, she seemed to have passed out. Yeah. And then then there was was all this blood. And then I I was really scared because then she, like, went outside. And then that's when she... And I didn't know what was going to happen at that point. I, I had no idea what was happening except for then... I had seen in the preview that she was going to shoot the gun. So it made sense that she was, she was trying to attract attention at that point.
1: Finally had to call uncle on this deal.
0: What do you think? Was it the right thing to do to, to call?
1: Absolutely. In terms of like life finds a way kind of thinking. If you didn't get help at that stage... And you had already tried to get the car moving and all that, then you were kind of guaranteeing that you were going to probably die out there. At least one of you would. Or something could go wrong with the delivery that isn't very straightforward and there's nothing natural that occurs to you to fix something that just won't stop bleeding internally.
0: It definitely you know? seemed like something, like I said, it was so dark, it was so hard to tell that it definitely seemed like something was not going right. And on all the blood, I mean, I, I again, I don't know what other people's births were like. I have not been a part of other people's births. I don't think mine was anything like that. But um, but I know definitely people lose blood. That's definitely a thing. Uh, but it seemed like they were even trying to show us something else. I just couldn't quite catch what they were trying to look at. I do feel so relieved that she did have that last moment of pushing and the baby did come out live I had this really scared feeling with all the blood and and all that part that the baby wasn't going to make it and I didn't know what yeah. we were looking at and what was happening but I was
1: really glad that the crying started right away
0: Me too, because
1: <laughs> that was feels like we may be rushing this part of the story but they spent a long time on the episode on the delivery so you get the point without needing to hash through every push but that being said there was a lot of emotional like what would you call it drive uh-huh. to see this come out okay because it feels like we had been through something with her
0: yeah and i think even those cut scenes of june giving birth with the final push for hannah uh, with the flash over to the red center and like practice breathing going over to janine's birth remembering all the emotion behind that um it just seemed like all of those parts were trying to do everything they could to bring all of them all all of our emotions right to the surface. Like, Mm -hmm. if you felt scared about the Red Center, if you felt scared at Janine's birth, if you felt scared at any point during these things, let's just remember all those scared feelings and bring them right up to the surface for everyone. Did you appreciate that she named the baby Holly?
1: It seems right for this show. You know, in our culture, it's kind of unusual to name girls after moms and all that but not anymore (laughs) i think this show is meant to be kind of like a like a this is the way new thinking is is kind of behind this show you know what i mean so holly makes a lot of sense to me
0: i really enjoyed this last portion when she said you know i keep going limping through the story i'm telling you i'm willing you into existence i tell you i'm telling you this um I tell, therefore you are. To me, I know you were saying that she was writing this or telling this story to Holly or something, but I don't think that that's what this was about. I think it was to some sort of greater audience. I don't know if they're going to follow the book and have this somehow end up being a journal entry or something or some papers that they find of hers. I'm not sure. But I do feel like it. she's willing the people in the future who are back to regular society, back to a normal society to find this and hear her story and it's like she's just like willing gilead to be destroyed by mm. telling the story of, of everything i'm just willing these people into existence that there will be a new society that will find this or someone so at the very last second there uh we do have the ending where the car pulls up and she's like i i did it holly what do you think who's in that car paul this is like our main prediction for this next story because there's really not that much that happened here i guess we have a couple things we could say will she be able to weave a tale that the water furs will just like deal with that she was upstairs she was in the you know somewhere bleeding out and they just didn't she had passed out and that's why she didn't answer. Yeah, they
1: didn't really do a very thorough look.
0: They really didn't, you know. And if they tried to explain anything else, I mean, hey, she was nude when they found when they're going to find her with the baby. So then, in that case, the fact that her dress was upstairs, nah. I mean, she wasn't wearing anything. She was trying to give birth, you know. So that seems okay. That seems on the up and up. Yep. Who do you think is going to have going to find her? Is it definitely have to be Gilead? Can it be yeah, anyone else? No,
1: I think it's got to be Guardians. I think it's. I don't think it's going to be Fred. I don't think it's going to be Serena. And- damn sure it's not going to be Nick. I think Nick is the sacrificial goat in this situation. Yeah. He, I mean, the story's going to be he tried to run off with our handmaid, right? And so he's going to go down for that. That makes a lot of sense, right?
0: I guess so. Yeah, I would guess so. So I guess the other portion of a prediction that we could make would be where do we think that Alfred's going to end up next?
1: Serena wants her kicked out right away. <laughs> so maybe there's like a new mom's convalescence area in the Red Center.
0: Okay, I like that. That makes good sense. I mean, it seems like it would give us some good Le- Lydia screen time. That we could use, and that seems like a positive thing, so I'm thumbs up on that. Hey, you know, one big thing that this birth at at this home took away was Serena Joy didn't get to do her donkey birth scene.
1: (laughs) That just makes her hate her even more, I bet. You robbed me of it. (laughs) <laughs>
0: exactly. So, I'm
1: left with nothing except this baby.
0: <laughs> just this baby. Oh my goodness. She did it all for the baby, Paul. Yes. It's all for the baby. Yeah,
1: she's been through a lot that Serena Joyce. Oh my mm. god, we
0: should all feel so sorry for her, right? Wah, yeah. wah. I mean it,
1: the there people felt bad when she got whipped <laughs> a couple weeks ago, but really, I mean, mm, it doesn't bounce out for me. I'm s-
0: Not anymore. And it really just shows how like absolutely corrupted her brain is. And and just just really the again, the, the structure of the power is just so weird. You know, like she was able to yell at Fred and be like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, I mean, all that was OK. And, you know, I mean, like, is she going to get whipped later? Paul? Ah.
1: It's on the table.
0: I kind of feel like at this point she might punch him in the eye if that happens. You he know, he doesn't have
1: his cane anymore. So, oh, yeah, he's fully Ish. mobile.
0: Oh, my gosh. I don't even know. Well, thanks, you guys so much for listening. We appreciate it. We're over on so many shows dot com as well as dailyreview.com on Facebook and Twitter and Brooke. Come on over and listen to us on the radio show Monday and Wednesday nights on TV Talk.
1: Thanks a lot. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software, our website, dailyreview.com, that's D-A-L-E-Y review.com, Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you find us, please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show.
0: Thanks for listening, pod people. Thanks for
1: listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.